Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 265 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Jody Fiorentino. Jody lives in Binghamton, I can't say it, <laughs> Binghamton, New York. I'm just going to leave this in. It's really funny. This is the second time. I was like, I can say Binghamton. It's super easy. Yeah, you just did it. I can say Fiorentino. <laughs> it's super easy. And I practiced, and then I said it the first time, and I didn't say it right. And I'm like, I'm going to start over. So then, okay, we're just going to leave this one in. Binghamton, New York. <laughs> Jody is a newly retired teacher, so we just spent about 10 minutes talking about how strange it is that first year because we're recording this in September and she is literally just like off of work for the first time, a normal summer and now not back to work. So I know how weird that is. So welcome, Jody. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Well, it's nice to 
your face, yes, because we actually met, was it in July? Yes, July, early July. The beach house. You were here visiting at the beach and you came down. We had coffee on the porch. That was so nice of you to open your house to my friends and I. I mean, that was just so nice of you. It was great. Well, you know, you're in the you're in the Delayed On Tonight community. And so you were like, I'm at the beach. I'm like, well, we have to get together for coffee. Yes. So. Awesome. <laughs> it was so fun. <laughs> I enjoy it. It's just, you know... People might think, oh, we should go to a coffee shop. No, let's just sit on the porch and look at the beach. Yes, that was fabulous. You've got a beautiful house there. Beautiful. Well, thank you. It's really, really tiny. And um, I was just sharing with you before we started, Chad and I have decided we want to wake up there every day. So we have like moved the cats to the beach house. Ellie and Ringo, the other two were with Will where he's living. So we've got two cats that are now beach cats and we're waking up every day at the beach. And so I'm over here at the the new house. It's going to be my workhouse. And also where guests come and sleep if they visit us. So <laughs> so nice to be so close. It really is. It's tiny, but we're making it work. And it feels very, very cozy. So, you know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? So I'll start with the, the quick, easy answer. In 2020, the summer of 2020, that, that summer. It was a crazy summer. It was. My daughter, Marissa, shout out Marissa. She found you for me. Yay, Marissa. <laughs> she was going into her fifth year of college and she was dabbling a little bit in weight loss throughout college. You know how that is, right? College, you gain a little weight and she and my husband always liked competitions. So they would have like step competitions and weight competitions and things like that. So anyway, she was looking and she came downstairs and she says, mom, I found this book. Delay, don't deny. I read the whole thing. It's amazing. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And I said, well, what is it? She starts to tell me, guess what I say? Oh, that doesn't sound like a good idea. I don't think we should not eat, you know, of course, I had the like, typical answer. But of course, my husband and her like, they're going to get right into it. And they're going to have a competition. So I dabbled a little but I was kind of meh, whatever. I didn't really pay too much attention to it. So I'm going to back up a little bit just to kind of bring you back to that spot. So I grew up fairly healthy. My mom cooked meals on the table. We never had soda and chips in the house. So I never really had any issues with weight. I was pretty athletic. So I I felt pretty average, normal, like, you know, nothing. My mother didn't worry too much about her weight. I mean, she had little extra weight, but nothing major. You just didn't even have to think about it. It wasn't on your radar. Yeah. And she was cooking fairly healthy. You know, I was like, mom, why do I have to have wheat bread? You know, (laughs) everyone else has white bread, but she was doing that a long time ago. So anyway, I got married. I had three kids. And so my youngest is going to be 21 in December. So for the last 20 years, I kind of did the typical thing, right? I put on a little weight very slowly. And I'm five foot six, and I kind of hovered in the 150s. When I got to 160, I'd find a quick diet, or I'd exercise more, it would come down. But for the life of me, I really never could get below 150. I started to get up into my high 40s, and I thought, it'd be nice to get down just a little bit. But I was pretty good at hiding my weight and, you know, wore my clothes. And I wasn't, wasn't really like, terribly uncomfortable in my skin. You know, I could find ways to hide it. So it's, I kind of was like, eh, you know, I tried Noom diet and Weight Watchers various times, but 
you know, to no avail, I just hung out in the 150s. So then 2017 came along and that summer I had experienced just terrible back pain. It was, I'd wake up one day, it would be in my shoulders. The next day I'd wake up, it would be in my lower back. And I couldn't get rid of it. Like I had had some of that other times and I would ice or use a, like a stim unit. I have a little tens unit for your muscles and something would aggravate it. And I usually could take care of it. But this summer I just could not every single day I had this back pain and then it would go into my hip. And I thought, Oh, I don't know why I can't get rid of this. So anyway, school came around, September came around. I started getting these like faint headaches every day and then brain fog. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm starting menopause. It must be menopause. But why am I so, my back and my hip, I, I feel old. So I decide to go see my physical therapist and because I had been to him for hip things before. And when I went to him, I said, you know what? My fingers, my hands are so achy too. Like I can't even open a jar. And he goes, you know what I'm thinking? You need to get tested for Lyme disease. Oh, do you know what is so interesting? The podcast just before you that I recorded two days ago, Lyme disease story. Oh, interesting. Well, I can't wait to hear that one. So testing for Lyme disease. Yeah. So, and I was very familiar with Lyme because where I grew up, about an hour north of New York City in the 80s, it was so prevalent. Like, all, there were ticks everywhere. Like to me, ticks, like I was used to them. They, you know, I. Me too. I mean, I remember growing up in the mountains of Virginia through in the 70s, in the early 80s, and you would just pick a tick off of you and throw it away. And the dogs would get the big ones on them. And we had this little, I don't can't remember what it was called, this little clampy medical thing that you would grab the tick and pull it out and look to see if you got the skin in the mouth of the tick, because that's how you knew the head wasn't stuck in. I mean, and I'm really squeamish about bugs, but you know, I'm like, oh, but tick, bloop, no big deal. There were so many. Yeah, so many. So I knew a lot about it, and I knew people that had gotten it, had antibiotics, were fine. But I also, my good friend, actually the one you met, Debbie, her mother got it so bad. It like went into her central nervous system and just, and I knew that you could get really sick from it. So when I went and got the initial test and it came back positive, I was like, okay. But the interesting thing was I found a Lyme literate doctor because I want, I was like, I'm not messing around. I'm going into retirement and I want to be healthy and live. I don't want to have this, you know? Anyway, he said it was an older virus or disease. It wasn't newly it wasn't within two weeks because I had different antibodies. I guess there's IgGs and IgMs. and You had the long-term signals, whatever those are, that you had had it for a while and it was just manifesting itself. Exactly. It just kind of flared up for I don't know what reason. So anyway, he treated me with a lot of different supplements and things. And over about six, seven, eight months, I, I really felt better. And I was like, oh, thank goodness. So those symptoms disappeared. I mean, I had like twitching fingers and which that made me really nervous because I'm like, I don't want anything in my nervous system to be messed up. So anyway, from that point, I was like, I am going to be healthy. I am just going to focus on eating, which I ate fairly healthy anyway, but I tried to say, okay, I'm going to cut back more on sugar. I was trying to be vegan at one point. I was vegetarian at one point. No, just really trying to eat lots of vegetables and all this. So back to 2020, 
my daughter goes to Colorado for an internship and she came back at Christmas and she goes, mom, that lady who wrote Delay Don't Deny, she has another book called Fast Feast Repeat. Let's listen to it. And I'm like, all right, we were driving somewhere. Well, I'm going to tell you, that was it. I heard the science. I heard the science. And I was like, oh my God, this makes so much sense. I'm a very much a science person. So she's like, I told you, I've been telling you. <laughs> I said, I know. I just had to hear it. I had to hear the whole insulin thing. And it just made so much sense to me. And I started January 1st, never looked back. January 1st of 2021? 2021. Yeah. We listened to it over Christmas. And I was like, I just, I totally get that now. It was funny because the first two weeks I had a few little dirty fasts. I'm like, I can still have my, a little like Starbucks, <laughs> you know, it's winter, it's January. I want my warm, you know, creamy coffee on the way to work. And then like two, I think it was the 9th of January. I said, I, I can't do that because then I want it every day. That's the problem. So I just stopped. And ever since then, I've been clean, clean, clean. You know, I love that. <laughs> I know. I know that's the main thing. I have a small Facebook group and I, I try to tell people that are starting because it, many of them start and then they just give up in that like two, three week time period. And I'm like, just if you can just clean fast and stick it out for the month, for a month, I promise it gets easier. But. See, that, that is really, really so true. That's why I have the whole idea of the 28-day fast start. And when I first was writing Fast Feast Repeat, for some reason, 21, I started with 21, like three weeks. And then I'm like, no, that's not really long enough. Three weeks is just not enough time. 28 days is just a better, we need more. And some people need six weeks to adjust, honestly. But you know, three is just not really enough. So I'm glad I went with the the 28 instead. I felt once once I decided that it felt right, and it seems to be a good average for most people. But I just remember myself, the dabbling years when I knew about fasting from 09 to 14, and I would dabble in it, and I would do it until a weekend trip, and then I would be like, I'm not doing it this weekend, and then I would just stop doing it, and then like. Two weeks later, I'd be like, well, let me try it today. And so I always was never in the easy part and always in the hard part and living in the adjustment period. And it was horrible. And I wasn't fasting clean. I had all those strikes against me. And it was miserable. It's so funny because I just said that to Marissa last night when I called her. I said, I'm going to talk to Jin tomorrow. And she goes, oh, I've been doing so good. She's kind of been on and off, believe it or not, on and off. And I said, you're staying in the hard part. Will you just do it. And she's like, I know. She's got a new job. She lives out in Arizona now. And so she's, you know, adulting. So she's kind of, you know how that is, in and out. Of how old is she? She's 24. Okay. Will turns 23 in two days. I have to think about what day it was. And adulting is hard. It is hard. Yeah. And it's she's all the way across the country by herself. Brave girl. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm proud of her because Will's, Will's close to me. But... <laughs> <laughs> he's like, is this what it is? You go to work, you don't have enough money, you pay your yeah. bills, you work some more. I'm like, yes, that is what it is. That's the only choice. But yeah, the off and on is really the hardest part. And, you know, just stop stopping. That's my best advice is just stop stopping. I mean, you don't have to be 
perfect, but you have to be consistent. That's my biggest thing is coaching. I'm coaching a few people and it, it's, I just want them to keep going. I'm like, I just, if you just go, I know in a month or so, you'll, it'll be easy. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's buyoptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for clean eating, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, responsibly sourced proteins, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that fit in beautifully to my cleanish lifestyle, and the food is totally window-worthy. Tonight, we're having barbecue sweet potato tacos with cabbage and carrot slaw, black beans, corn, and cheesy tortillas, and they come with Green Chef's chimichurri sauce. So good. Go to greenchef.com slash ifstories50 and use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com slash ifstories50. And don't forget to use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. Yeah, it, it really does get better. And you just have to know... You only have to go through that really hard part one time. And again, if you go on a vacation, you might have one hard day when you get back and get on va- get back on your normal routine, but it's still not going to be as hard as that adjustment period was. Yeah. And you know, I, I never not fast. I mean, and I say that to them. I say sometimes, believe it or not, I only had a 12-hour fast. That's like my bare minimum. 14, 16 is where I, you know, like to always say I am, but I'm usually 18, 19, 20, just because of it's just easy and the day is going and that's what it is now in maintenance. But the new people, I say, you know, it's okay. If you had a late night and then you're hungry, just do it. You still fasted for 14. You didn't ruin all the other fasts you did. I had a crazy nine-hour fast a couple of weeks ago. We were in Nashville. I think I heard you say that on a podcast. Well, I, no, I don't. I didn't say it on a podcast yet because that one hadn't come out yet. It was just two weeks. Or I might, I don't mind said it on life lessons, but I don't think it's out yet either. But we were in Nashville, and I am not a late night person. You know that about me, probably. I, if it's nine o'clock, I'm ready to get in the bed. Right? If it's dark, I'm ready to get in the bed. But we were out, and I hadn't seen my friend from college and. Her daughter is younger than Will, and I hadn't seen her since middle school, and she happened to be there. And so we met out, but not till like 11.30 p.m., because that's when the young people are going out. And so we stayed out till 
three, closed down the bar at three. And I was like, I'm going to die. I am so sleepy. <laughs> but, you know, I was enjoying, you know, visiting with, with her daughter. And I'm like, I have to eat this hot dog on the street right now because I'm starving. It had been like 12 hours since we'd eaten and I'd had, you know, some alcohol. So I had a street hot dog at 3.30 in the morning. Okay. And then like nine hours later, I had brunch. I'm like, this was a nine hour fast. <laughs> then I came home and I think I slept for like 12 hours straight. I, I was so tired. My body's not like that. Nashville is too hardcore. It is crazy. I happily never do that again. <laughs> anyway, <sighs> but you know, did it ruin anything? Did I ruin anything with the nine? No, it was no big deal. And that's what I try to say, like the whole no falling off the wagon is really true because you're fasting all those other days. So you have a day where you just don't or it's short or just move on, right? I love that part about it. Yep. And it was a nine hour fast. Okay. But then, <laughs> you know, I think I had like a 24 hour fast that when I when I was flying home, like I didn't eat after a certain point. And then I just waited. It was like real, I think over 24 hours before between my last Nashville meal and the first time I ate when I got back home was over 24 hours. Now, did I do that in a punitive way? Like I must make myself fast longer? No. I was like, I got to take a break. I'm not hungry. And it just worked out. And then I felt better and then got my sleep and then I was back to normal. So it's, it's not a big deal. No, it's wonderful. And so when I did start too, I said to my daughter, I don't know how much weight I'm going to lose. I don't care. I totally did it for the health reasons because I thought, you know, I don't want any more flare-ups of Lyme. I'm just going to do this for the health benefits. I didn't know anything about autophagy or anything. So when I read all of that, I'm like, this is just a no-brainer. I'm going to retire and I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to do this. So that's why I started. And you know, the weight didn't fly off. I didn't have a whole lot to lose. I wasn't really, I mean, I secretly had a goal weight, but I wasn't really doing it for weight because I'm like, I don't think I could ever really get back down. I could never get to 145 ever. So I'm down to like 131. And that's where I've been for like a year. And it's been like the easiest thing I've ever done. I tell people. See, that's that's just amazing. Your body... You didn't say, I'm going to get to 131 and stay there. Like, because you could have said, I want to be 128. And you'd be like mad that you never got there. But instead, you're like, I'm just going to see what my body does. And it did something you couldn't even imagine. No, I never. Since children, I've never been. I mean, like I said, I don't think I was even ever below 145. So it, it just kind of came off. And it came off slowly, like a couple pounds a month. It wasn't like huge. And so... The, the first summer, the summer of 21, ooh, my kitty's trying to drink the coffee. I see that kitty. We love kitties. Be on the podcast if you want. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to take my coffee. That's a no-no. Oh, don't take the coffee, kitty. <laughs> so the summer of 2021. I was about 136. I'm a daily weigher, which I know you know a lot of people aren't, but it never bothered me. Fluctuations never bothered me. I'm a big fan of that. If it doesn't bother you, it's great data to have. And so I was around 135, 136 that summer, and I thought, oh, well, this is just great. I mean, I felt great, and I spent a month away from home. So I, I wanted to see, like, how is this going to work? I was with my sister. We both enjoy, like, a happy hour. We were moving my daughter. I First, I vacationed with my sister at her new home. She lives near Lake Tahoe. And then we both went to Arizona to move my daughter in to help her decorate her apartment because she actually had to move into her apartment and start her job on the same day. How unfair is that? 
So I was away for like a month and I thought, I wonder how I'm going to do. Like, am I going to do okay with this? And really, I swear to God, I think I got home after a month and it was like a pound difference. And that's just a normal fluctuation. Yeah. I mean, I went out, we had happy hour, we'd do all the stuff, we'd shop for her, get her apartment, and then we'd go to happy hour. (laughs) It was fun. I was just amazed at that. I said, I cannot believe that, that I just like lived like normally. I mean, I fasted, but it wasn't hard. You didn't like stress out about it. You enjoyed yourself. You kept to a daily fast and a daily eating window and you ate and drank what seemed enjoyable. It was really amazing. That sister, she won't mind me sharing, but she had trouble with her weight ever since she was young. So she's always just, you know, struggled really with that. A few years prior to, I think she said it was around 20 18 or something, she started in with a low carb with not full keto, but she really decided to cut back on her carbs. And for her, that really, really worked. She didn't deny herself of pizza. You know, she had it once, but she cut way back and she had lost a decent amount of weight. She was so happy in her body. So then there come I with my fasting. I'm like, so now you know what you should do. And so I was living with her for four weeks. I was living that life. And she's like, wow. But she was putting like MCT oil in her coffee and things like that. And I said, you really? And so she, since last year, she dabbled in it too, but she would get to like 16 and she's like, I'd have to eat. I have to eat. I can't go past that. So I was just with her this past summer on a vacation and she goes, you know, I would like to lose just a little more weight. She goes, but you know, what's going to kick it up? I'm so hungry after 16 hours. I said, Sandy, that 16, that little bit of hunger, either drink something, go for a walk at that time, go run your errands, do something. Because once you pass that little bit of hunger, you're going to be fine again. It's true. That is exactly what I discovered when I was wearing the CGM. So everybody who's heard me tell the story before, I'm going to tell it again because people are new to the podcast every week. (laughs) But when I was wearing a CGM, a continuous glucose monitor, it was fascinating to see Every day, right or probably around 16, right there, I would have a wave of hunger and I would look at that CGM readout and that was right when my blood sugar was dropping. Now, I don't mean it dropped down to like the danger zone where I'm going to like, you know, pass out or get shaky. It dropped down to the 70s, like like 72 or something. And that was my body saying, all right, we've used up all the, the glucose in our blood go ahead and send something else down. And I didn't, obviously, because I'm fasting. And it stayed right there, steady, 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 the whole rest of my fast. And the hunger went right away. So that is when my body is making that metabolic switch from being, you know, using the glucose in my blood to now it's ready to tap into, into fat and, you know, go into ketosis. And so that is really where that magical moment occurs when you have that wave of hunger, if you could visualize your fuel tank switching, like say, oh, yay, I'm switching over instead of like, oh, no, I'm hungry. Think, oh, hooray, the magic is happening. So she pushed through. She's pushing through. She's been doing 18 regularly now. And she's like, oh, it's easier because I really think it'll work for her. And then when you combine it with a low carb, I mean, If that's what she feels great doing, yeah. Yeah, she feels great doing that. So she's really happy. And 
So yeah, I got her on board and her, her husband is doing it, but he has no problem going like 21 hours. I mean, she's like, he goes so long and our, we're not eating together and it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> He's just fabulously fat adapted. You know, when you can start doing that, you know, it's, it's, it's a great feeling. Yeah. Yesterday I had a, a longer fast. I didn't even notice what time it was. I just looked up and I was like, oh gosh, <laughs> it's late because I was so busy. I love when that happens. Whereas the day before I was starving at 2.30, so I ate early. I mean, it just, you know, it balances out. And you really do notice there's, it's a different hunger. When you really need to eat, I feel differently than, oh, I'm hungry. I could eat. But when I'm really hungry, I notice the difference. And I never really knew that before. It really is true. I made a post about it in the community and we talked about it in there. But it's like, you know, there's several kinds of hunger. For me, it could be bored hunger which is like, I'm bored. I don't have a lot to do. Eating would be nice. I would enjoy that, right? That's not real hunger. And then there's like emotional hunger where you're like, I'm feeling really, you know, sad or mad or whatever. Eating would make me feel better. That's not real hunger either. And then other people said tired hunger. They they get hungry when they're tired. Well, you know what mine is? My struggle is just taste hunger. I love food. I love it. So sometimes I just want tastes. I just want to eat food. <laughs> it's a sensory pleasure. I get it. I get it. But there's like some meme that's like when your mouth is lonely, it's like a Japanese word for when your mouth is lonely, you eat, need to eat. I, I'm, I'm not doing a good job with that one. But it's funny. I've seen it before. The type of hunger when your mouth is lonely. And I get it. That That's true because you just want to have that, that flavor. But you know, real hunger though, when it's different, you know. So what when you how, what do you do? How do you know when it's the real hunger? You know, I, I was trying to identify that to kind of I was when I was talking to my sister about it. I don't know. It's just this sense that yes, I do need to eat right now. It's not a hangry feeling or anything. It's just, I don't know, my body just feels almost like more tired. Like I I've, I've gotta eat. I don't know. You do learn the difference. You know, you can really just check in with yourself and like ask yourself, you know, am I bored? Do I want to eat because it just sounds like I would enjoy it? Or am I feeling emotions right now that I think that, or am I legitimately hungry? You know, drink a little something, try to get your mind off of it. And if it's there and it's like, eat, 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 that's when you know. Yeah. It's different than just your stomach growling. I mean, that to me, you know, happens and I'm like, oh no, I'm not really hungry. Even though in the past, that would be, oh, it's time to eat. My stomach's growling. <laughs> you know? oh, yeah. Yeah. People will say that a lot when they're new. They're like, my stomach is growling. It means I'm hungry. I'm like, no, it does not. <laughs> it's a mechanical action. And, you know, we've associated it with being hungry because it's when your stomach is empty, it starts to make more noises typically. But we don't have to fill an empty stomach every time it's empty. That's the lesson we have to take away. You know, we were trained to think, oh, empty stomach, fill it up. No, we got another fuel tank on the body. So I, I love that you're maintaining at a weight that's lower than you ever thought you'd be with no stress, no struggle. Yeah, no, it's it really is amazing. I, I think I was this weight when I got married and I don't really remember weights because I think I just, you know... But yeah, I feel amazing and I can't believe how easy it was. I tell people all the time, I didn't even do this for weight loss. And some people say, oh God, you're so skinny. You're still losing weight. I said, I'm not according to the scale. So again, then I start telling them about, 
I think my body's just changing the way that it looks, but I'm not losing any more weight. And that could happen. You know my story that I continued to shrink over, you know, the year of, of my first, I guess, the from when was it? 2016 to 2017, I guess, that year. I continued to get smaller, even though the scale, I wasn't weighing, but then the scale didn't move over that year when I got back on it. And it was pretty much the same. And I was mad with what the number was, but I wanted it to be lower and it wasn't just anyway. That was the last time I looked at a number on the scale, but my body continued to shrink. But, you know, you're building muscle. Yeah. And that's definitely been a non-scale victory. I have some definition in my arms and my legs. I mean, I always had pretty muscular legs, but they're thinner, but now they're just, you can see the muscle in there. And again, like you, I wasn't really exercising at all. I was walking my dogs, but I wasn't doing like intentional exercise. Now I'm doing Pilates now that I have time and I'm loving that. I mean, I'm sure that's helping my muscle tone as well. Definitely. I wonder if there's somewhere around here to do Pilates now that I've got more time to do that. Because I really did enjoy Pilates. I did it one year at the Y. It was right before I wrote Fast Feast Repeat. And that's actually why I stopped doing it because I had to write Fast Feast Repeat. I was like, I've got no time for Pilates now. (laughs) That book was hard to write. It was a a lot of work. I'm really proud of it. But it, it took a lot of brain power and time to write. But yeah, Pilates is a lot of fun. Do you do the Pilates with the equipment or the Pilates on the floor? I do it on the mat, but I've, I've did like a training course on the equipment. So that's a little extra. You have to pay extra because I'm at a gym now. So I'm like, oh, why do I pay extra for the machines? But it's maybe in the winter time I, I might do that because it was a lot of fun. But, but there's a really great instructor who does it on the mat and it's fabulous. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. The only time I ever did it with the machine. It was really far away from my house. A friend of mine was like, I know somebody who has the reformer, I guess it's called, and we can go to, she has like a studio in her house, but it was like 30 minutes away. I was like, there's no chance I'm ever driving out here again to do that. <laughs> I'm not driving 30 minutes for anything unless it's like a really good meal or something. I don't know. <laughs> not for Pilates, no. But I did enjoy it. The machine was very interesting to work on. So... Yeah, I I did enjoy that a lot. But, well, good. Yeah, that's a really – I think it gives you those elongated, like, lean muscles that look – not like, you know, the bodybuilder muscles, but the real – Just nice tone. Exactly. I did enjoy that. Yoga, no. Have you ever tried yoga? Yeah, I'm not a fan of, like, fast yoga either. Like, I don't know, is it vinyasa yoga where it's constant poses and stuff? But I took a restorative yoga class that was fabulous where you kind of just lay and you roll on your muscles on equipment. It, it was really good. I'm like, that. So I might be able to do that. I can't go upside down. I can't do anything where you're upside down. Oh, yeah. And, and holding weird poses upside down. It makes down. me sick. Like literally, I have got an inner ear or something that I've had since I was a little girl. I don't do rods that are fast at an amusement park. I don't do mountain roads. I don't, do not hold me upside down. I don't do upside down in yoga, but I've taken a few classes, but not the real, I don't know. There's so many different kinds. You can do a really mellow yoga where it's more relaxation and breathing. Well, I could do one as long as you're not upside down. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you're fasting, your sister's fasting, your husband's fasting, or they're all your daughter. Yeah, they all are. um, Marissa's probably, like I said, still dabbling. But my husband 
he stopped in between that year. You know, he kind of got into his bad habits again. But on Memorial Day of this past summer, he broke his fibula. He tripped over the umbrella stand. It's such a boring story, but he's like, you moved the umbrella stand and I tripped over it. Now, so he broke his fibula. So he's like, I am going to start fasting because I, he wasn't going to be allowed to move too much. And he's like, I can't gain weight because he, he was back. He was a yo-yo up and probably when he hit, got into his thirties, he just gained weight. And then he's got a lot of diabetes in his family. So I used to say years ago, like, come on, you're not going to get diabetes. I don't want you to get diabetes. So now all this insulin stuff, I mean, I go, I know what we're going to do. Yeah. I mean, he really needs it. Like therapeutically, it's not just for weight. Like therapeutically, it's the best thing he could do for his long-term health. So he's back at it. He's back at it. And he's funny because he's the kind of person that he gets in these like modes. So he says, I'm going to fast 20 hours. I think he has a hundred and something 20 hour fast in a row. And he's one that waits. Did you see the picture I posted where he's holding his phone with the app on it and he won't eat his meal because there's like three seconds before the app? Yes. That's right. Chad's like that too, apparently. I didn't know. His second window of the day that opens at five that does not open at 459. It opens at five. He gets in these. I mean, one year he was in a walking mode and he walked everywhere. Like we'd go to our kids' basketball game and he'd go, I'm going to start walking home and you pick me up or I'm going to start walking there and you pick. I mean, he walked everywhere and all our neighbors and friends are like, and he's walking. I'm like, he's walk-. he just like gets into these things. So it's just kind of funny. I said, but your body needs to change it up. But then he gets mad. Look, you wanted me to fast and, you know, so I'm like, okay, just do your Let thing. him do it. Let do him it. do it. But he has <laughs> lost weight. He He's back under 200 this week. So yay, 200 pounds. He's like five foot nine. So he, he's comfortable around like 185. And I think he'll get there and not go back up because he's done like Weight Watchers and gotten down, gone back up. We did Noom, went down, got, went back up. I mean, same story that many of us know, right? So hopefully we actually did a little closet cleaning and he took out all this big stuff. And I said, this time, I'm taking it out of the house. It's gone. He's like, are you sure? I said, I'm sure. Well, it's true. If he just sticks with intermittent fasting, he will not get bigger. You know, for women, we do have the menopausal transition that I'm just going to tell you, you just be prepared. It's a little, you might. (laughs) It's just starting for me, Jen, just starting. I'm starting a little late because I'm 55, but I'm just starting with night sweats and I'm like, oh. Well, you know, I gained an inch on my waist in the past year and that's not fun to to say or to realize, but I understand why now that I've started digging into the science of menopause and learning more about that. You know, that was one of those things I'm like, I don't need to learn about that. I don't need to read about that, but you know how I like to learn things. So we lose some of our ability, the, the blood glucose control worsens as we our hormones change. And I'm not just talking about, you know, I mean, you know, insulin is a hormone, but as our female hormones change, those affect our abilities to control our blood glucose. So worsening blood glucose, more spikes up and down, even though you're not changing what you're doing, your body responds differently. So, you know, now it makes a lot more sense, you know, when I think about Anna Kabeca's work, you know, her, all of her menopause stuff and 
she talks a lot about being low carb. And I mean, I'm not ever going to be low carb, but I do have to eat differently. I don't mean that I'm like not going to eat carbs, but I have to be more conscious of my blood sugar response than versus a few years ago, if that makes sense. Because it's different. My body has changed with hormonal changes and you have to respond to those changes. So I'm you know, waiting a little later to open my window like I had been back when I was teaching. I didn't eat till I got home from school. I felt great. So I'm really kind of doing that now most days. And I'm being more mindful of, you know, I'm not buying ice cream. (laughs) I'm having my daily harvest smoothie to close my window and just being more aware of I don't want to spike my blood glucose high because my body is not able to manage it as well as it used to. That is just a biological fact that we have to deal with. Anyway, just be aware. (laughs) Uh, I know. I'm glad I found this before. So I am definitely aware and paying attention because, you know, I may, I may gain weight. I don't know, but. Well, you know, most, most women do. Women who have maintained their whole adult lives. And I'm not just talking about women that have struggled, but I'm like women just in general, most women gain weight over the menopausal transition. Our bodies change in so many ways. And we, have to not be surprised by it. And it doesn't mean you're destined to, you know, become obese after menopause or something. There are definitely things we can do and we can be a little mad about it or we can say, well, it's it's a fact. You know, I'm alive. At least I get to deal with it because as you get older, you can either be dead or alive. I choose alive and dealing with <laughs> the inch around my middle. And I've actually, that's gone down a half an inch since I tightened up my window. And <sighs> it is what it is. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx Service Guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. I'm following, um, I'm doing a live summit right now with... um is it Sharon Stills? I saw it through Anna Kabeca's site. And so I, one of those free live summits all on menopause because I have a doctor's appointment in October and I, I'm going to ask about HRT because I, I don't know what they're going to say or 
what their take on it is. So, Well, I'm part of a mastermind group that has a lot of it's, – it's mostly doctors, but also – health influencers. Anna Quebeca is part of it as well. And there's a group that we, we like share things. And one of them, an OBGYN, she's not my OBGYN, she's another OBGYN, but she has a handout that she shared in the group. And I can't share it with other people, but she was sharing it with the other practitioners. But it talked about, you know, the myths of HRT and the actual science of it. And she had gone through everything. And, you know, there are a lot of myths out there about it that have just hung on and doctors are still believing them. And the one question that I have, and I know this, we should probably get back to fasting, but so like if your body naturally loses estrogen or, you know, naturally happens, is it natural to put it back in? Well, that's a great question because, you know, think about the body. People didn't live that long. We're a species that's supposed to reproduce and then we die, right? So once you're no longer able to reproduce, it's all right. You're just going to die. But we're not going to die because we're living in the modern era. And we're not just willing to get brittle bones and lose our muscle mass and die. We want to live strong and healthy. And so that's the big change. You know, like men, they were, they were like out, you know, spreading their genes all through their adult age. You know, I'm talking about, you know, thousands of years ago, right? <laughs> Survival of the species. But women were like, all right, you're done with childbearing. You might as well just die. Yeah, that's well. And we're living so much longer. Okay. Exactly. So- that's the way I'm looking at it. I don't think we have to just be like, all right, this is the, ser- the part of my life where my bones get brittle. No, this is not the part of my life where my bones get brittle. I don't want that to happen, but it really affects all those things. It affects, you know, obviously vanity is a big part of it because my skin elasticity has gotten worse. I don't want to have all that, you know, grandma face, right? If I can help it, if if I do, I do, but, you know, I would like to look young as long as I can. So vanity is part of it, but when you really look at your bones and your muscles and, And, you know, I'm just going to say it, sexual health, that's also in part. Well, it is, and no one talks about that. Well, and you saw that I posted that too. I posted that on the group and everyone was wonderful for my sister. Sorry, Sandy. But she's like, I can't get an answer. Nobody talks about it. And she's through with menopause. She's seven years older than me. So she's like, and now she's reading the book. She We listened to a podcast that you had recommended. Yeah. And so the Huberman Lab episode. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And she's reading that. And she's like, but I heard, I used to hear this and now I'm They told us that. I don't know. And her bigger question was, I'm totally through with it for several years now. So do I go back? So anyway, she's got she's loaded with information. And that is what I've read on that handout the doctor shared. It is better to start sooner versus later. See, she did have it. She had it for about three or four years because she, she was having such terrible hot flashes. She couldn't function. So she was on it. But my other sister had breast cancer. So her doctor said, oh, because of that, we probably don't want to keep you on very long. So they took her off and, you know, she still has problems that she doesn't want. (laughs) So that's the link that is not as strong as everyone's been led to believe. Let me just say it like that. (laughs) You know, I'm not your doctor. I'm not giving you medical advice. You know, you have to weigh your pros and cons with everything. But... It's one of those things that I I would encourage everyone to really dig in and not just, you know, what we've all been told. 
So let's talk about your Facebook group a little bit. I love that you're doing that. How did you find people for it? Was it just like friends that you started off? I just like started it one day and I invited people. So it's a quiet group. Like I see people looking, but I can't get a lot of chatter on there. I've asked questions. I try to put like face-to-face Friday and I'll put something like all different things that I've seen, you know, you guys do with your groups and stuff. It's just got a little over a hundred people. It's not huge. And I have um, coaching a couple people that that are on the group, but they would they just talk to me text wise, you know, I text them and that kind of thing. So yeah, and the biggest thing I think with a lot of people on that group is that they're doing it secretly, that they won't put anything out there like, oh, I did it. And then I stopped for two, you know, like, I don't really always know what's going on. And I'm like, hmm. Yeah, because people don't want to talk about their struggles necessarily. They don't want to admit that they're having a struggle. Whereas I love in the community when people share their struggle, because there's always somebody else who's lurking, who has that same exact struggle, probably today, just didn't want to say it. And then they're reading it and they're like, I am not the only one. That's right. And I, I know you're going to ask me, what would I say to people, right? So just starting out. And the one of the things I would say is get in a community. Like that was huge for me. I was on it all the time in the beginning. And I also learned so much more than your book. Like I just, oh, this person, no. And it it was just so motivating and inspiring. And I love the community. It really makes a difference. Just, you know, even for me, you know, when I was like having all the window creep over the summer and realized my waist was up an inch and like, you know, I've been opening just whenever I want to, right? And I'm like, I'm going to commit to waiting till five, like I did when I was teaching. And that was like the summer of 2018. I was really at my leanest when I, right after I retired from teaching because I'd been working. And, and it was that was before I'd gone through menopause and had the hormonal changes. And um, I'm like, you know, I felt great waiting till I got home from school to open my window. I'm just going to do that. But we have had a, an accountability thread every day. And me going into that accountability thread and saying, I waited till five. I mean, like when two days ago, when I was really starving at 2.30 or it started at two and I was like, well, I don't want to be like, well, I opened it too because I just felt, and I was like, I got to really make sure I'm hungry before I just willy nilly open my window. So I sat with it and I really was hungry. And so then I, I talked about that in the community, but having that accountability made me be really sure. Same with the app. I loved having an app. I used it. I still use it. One of my goals is to just not use it because I think I could do it now, but I'm like, mm, I like my app because <laughs> I've shut it and I know I'm done. Well, that was always a really powerful feeling for me when, when Cal made that app and just closing that window on the app was like, all right, it's closed. And I certainly wasn't going to like reopen it. No, I know that definitely helps too, to have that. What app do you like? I use Zero. The biggest regret I have of the whole fasting, everything, the one biggest regret is that when Cal sold Window, I would like to go back in time and buy it myself, buy it from him. Because I I couldn't tell him not to sell it. He had written it. It was a great app. He was getting ready to start his real life work and didn't want to be fooling with all that. And, And I get it. He did a lot of customer support. He did a lot of, you know, bug fixing, that sort of thing. But he had an offer to buy it. And it was a nice little offer. Of course, I didn't even think about that I could afford to buy it from him right at that time, but I wish I had. I wish I'd have bought it from him. And they just, I can't recommend that app anymore, the Window app. 
I don't like what they did with it. They never asked me. They never reached out to me at all, which is sad. We could have had a great partnership of some sort, but they've made it real diety. And it's real expensive too. Um, so people are sometimes, they, they think I'm still associated with it and I'm not, but I wish I'd bought it. But an, an app really can be a valuable tool for a lot of people. It's just another free thing with fasting. Like everything about it is free. You just can't, I love that. Love that. And you know, all these companies are trying to make it, you know, like, let me sell you a fasting plan. No, you don't need to have someone to sell you a fasting plan. Yeah, that's like a huge <laughs> non-scale victory in this house. Like just the amount of shopping I don't need to do. It's crazy. And, and now we're empty nesters. I mean, my, my youngest is still in college, so he's home in the summer. But it's just the two of us. And I'm like, we just don't need a whole lot of food. So it's just great. <laughs> that really is. So tell us about some of your other non-scale victories. Well, I feel like my skin is definitely, it's not as dry. It's, it's brighter. You know, I stopped wearing makeup when we had to mask up at school because, and I didn't wear a lot. I just wore a foundation and like mascara and I just stopped during COVID and I just never went back. And I was like, yeah, I don't really need to. So I don't put anything on my face. You've got that IF glow. I do. (laughs) So that's a big one. I don't have a whole lot. I mean, I haven't had a lot of the whole things I was telling you about the whole backache and the hips and the sciatica. That was all Lyme related. Yeah. But I I had issues with that over the years. Like if I do something like shovel heavy snow, I can aggravate my like SI joint and I can get a little problem. But usually in a day or two, I ice it. I'm back to normal. That's why that summer was so weird. I was like, I just can't get rid of this. And so I'm sure I have far less inflammation. I haven't had those kinds of problems, which has been great. And no Lyme has resurfaced at all. Headaches are gone. I'm getting a little brain fog now, but I think it's menopause again. Like I think a little foggy again. I'm like, oh, oh I hate that. It's like menopause. You, I know. It's like you can't think of a word or you know, and back in 17 with the Lyme, I was trying to read aloud to kids in the classroom and I was getting tongue tied and it was terrible. And I actually got like that when I was pregnant. So I thought that was just weird. That's why I thought it was hormonal and menopause because I was just, bleh, I couldn't remember meetings. My friends are like, are you okay? I'm like, I don't know. Something's happening. <laughs> yeah. And the emotional feelings that you might have. I can remember my stepmother going through menopause. She's very emotional. <laughs> Let's just put it like that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't one of those people that had all those emotions. Like I wasn't like once a month, like being crazy. That wasn't me. Yeah, no, neither did I. So, you know, just I think a non-scale victory is just overall just feeling so good. Like I just feel so good. I'm happy and retirement may have something to do with it. But a lot of, you know, I think a lot of it is just feeling so healthy and good. And I, that comes from IF, so. Absolutely. Well, is there anything you struggle with? Well, I still really love sugar, but I don't, I have to say, I don't buy cookies or if I make things. So typically I'm making it with those great ingredients, right? Like I'll add flax seeds and chia seeds to my cookies. And so it's all a head game. Oh, it's got to be a little better for you because it's got flax in it. <laughs> right. Well, but it is though. I mean, 100% it is. You know, you're getting something out of there. Yeah. And I, I still sometimes feel like I want something sweet after every meal. And I, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, people people say it like it's, it's a, like a flaw. And I mean, if we're all wired 
to crave a little something sweet at the end of a meal. Why would nature make us crave a little something sweet and we're never supposed to fulfill that? That's the way I look at it. But if you think about the sweet things that nature provided for us, a date, a fig, whatever, some a bear, some berries. Right. And that's typically what I'm doing too, or a dark piece of dark chocolate. Like I, I don't go eat, like, you know, go to the store and buy a pound cake or something. I'm not really like the ultra processed sweets. However, if, if I'm at a luncheon or something and there's like warm chocolate chip cookies, I'm going to indulge. <laughs> like I can, yeah. And I would even eat pound cake. I, I'm not one from the grocery store, but if somebody made me a pound cake, I would have the pound cake. Yeah. But I, like I said, I don't usually buy that stuff. So I make it and then I, you know, like I know what I'm eating. And so, so that's, it's a struggle, but it's not, I'll never be one that will give it up. I, I've heard people and I, I just won't do it. I, I'm not that kind of person that can restrict something and say, I'm never going to have that again. That's another reason why I love this so much. It's funny. The sweets definitely have been curved. Like I used to get a Starbucks with the way it came. And now if I put something during my eating window, I'll put like one pump. Can you put one pump of pumpkin in it for me? And that's plenty sweet. Well, I was at the grocery store that had my favorite ice cream. Jenny's ice cream is my favorite. And they have this kind of peaches and biscuits and a buttermilk ice cream. And it's my favorite. And I was at the grocery store that has it the other day buying some stuff. And I looked at it in the freezer aisle and I'm like, that would be delicious. I'm like, yeah, but it would probably give me restless legs. I don't want that. And so I went home and didn't, I mean, I was like, it was okay. I had a daily harvest smoothie after, you know, Chad and I'll share one of those. <laughs> And they do not give me restless legs. Right. And even if we're out to dinner or something, and let's say I, I'm craving a dessert, my husband and I will usually split it. And a couple bites is really all I want. I just want little sweet and then I'm good. That's it. And I, I again, I don't think that's something that we should feel guilty about because I think that it's we're wired to be that way. Now, there are people that a little bit of sugar and they just like can't stop. That's different. You know, if, if you're somebody who, with anything, look, for me, it's bags of potato chips that have cheesy powder on them. You know, I can't just eat two chips. I have to eat the whole bag of chips. I don't buy those things. I think the diet mindset is a tough, tough thing. Like even, I, I just want to share this one thing because maybe it'll change somebody. But I was out to dinner with a good friend and I was ordering and I said, I'm going to be bad and I'm going to get the blah. And she goes, you know what? I hate when you say that. And I'm like, what? She goes, you probably didn't even realize you were saying it. No. She goes, why do you say I'm going to be bad? She goes, that's just, why do you do that? And I'm like, and she kind of like caught me off guard. I was like, oh my gosh. And I go, you know, that's true. And so now I'm trying to say, I'm going to enjoy the nachos with all the junk. <laughs> you know, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to indulge in these nachos. That's right. And that's okay. I love that. It's just that internal dialogue we don't even realize we have. Yeah. And I still struggle with that, even though logically I know this is perfectly okay for me to eat. I'm good with it. And I don't have guilt, but I speak that way like I have guilt. We've had we've been taught to say it. Like we at least need to pretend we don't want to have it. Right. <laughs> like women, we've been trained like, I'm just gonna have a salad. dry salad. <laughs> no dressing. No, because it's like ladylike or something. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna eat the nachos, load them down. <laughs> That's great. Well, we're almost out of time. I know you shared one thing you would tell someone just starting out. Is there anything else you would tell someone just starting out? Or what do you wish you knew when you first started? I think 
from what I'm seeing from others is the patience part is I, I feel like people give up too soon. And if you can just pull through that 28 days, four weeks, so just do it, just do it, just do it. I mean, that it really will get easier. And I've said so many people, it's just a no brainer. Even if you think it's not working, there's all this health stuff going on for you that why would you not do it? Like there's nothing to lose, nothing to lose. I'm at that point now and I wasn't when I started because I didn't understand the health benefits to me. It was just a weight loss approach. And so if I had not lost weight 2014 to 2015, I would not have stuck with it because I didn't understand the health benefits. But, you know, I understand the health benefits of brushing my teeth. I do that every day because it's good for my mouth to brush my teeth. And the same with fasting. The health benefits are huge. They are a reason. If the only thing intermittent fasting did for someone was the health benefit part and you lost zero pounds, that's worth doing. That's right. It's worth doing. That's what I say. I'm like, try to get the weight out, you know, try to get, and I know that's what brings a lot of people. So yeah, it brought me to it. I'm not going to lie. And I try to say, you know, just, just, just do it, just do it and use the community and an app for support. I mean, that helped me the most. So, well, it has been so much fun to talk to you today, Jody, and thank you so much for sharing your story. Yes. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at resonaterecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. Murder on My Mind, a new podcast available exclusively on Wondery Plus, explores the circumstances leading up to the murder of two young men and the mistrials of the man accused of killing them. Up-and-coming rapper YNW Melly gained notoriety in the hip-hop world for his shocking lyrics and criminal exploits. When two of his best friends were gunned down in a drive-by shooting, investigators suspected the young rapper staged the scene. But after not one but two trials that ended in hung juries and new evidence that may place YNW Melly at the scene of the crime, his trial has been paused indefinitely. With countless twists and turns, Law and Crime covers all angles of the case and begs the question, is this young artist the victim of a witch hunt or a silver-tongued devil who's evil to the core? Listen to Murder on My Mind exclusively and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.